Okay, uh, let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we can come into your presence. And that we can seek your presence as a body, as a church. We thank you. And Holy Spirit, we once again declare our dependency upon you. Uh, reveal Jesus to each one of us. Open our hearts, open our eyes, and open our ears. And anoint the word so that it may be life and it may bring revelation to each one of us. We know that one word from you that is revealed can transform everything, can change everything in our lives. And we rely upon what you have said, Jesus, that when we seek you, we shall find. And when we ask, you will answer. We thank you. So Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I was just going to say to turn on the light, but I remember the, it's this toilet light, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a light you put in a toilet or something, isn't it? <laughs> okay, anyway, um, if you can turn to uh, Judges, and um, you know that uh, <clears throat> it's so important we know the Old Testament, okay? Because of, uh, I think there's one mistake that has been made over the years as believers and many so-called Christians, even today, they don't read the Old Testament. And the problem with that is that because of theologians and traditions, they have always divided the Bible up into the Old Testament and the New Testament, so to speak. But the thing is that it's one book. Amen. You know, that the New Testament is not a book that is separate from the Old Testament. Because if you only read the New Testament, uh, you won't understand what you're reading. Because you don't have the context of culture. You don't have the context of history. So which means, so when you read the New Testament without that context, what do we do? We refer to what we know. So that means whatever culture we come from, we use that as a reference point when we read the New Testament. That's why that you will see in church history, sadly, especially European Christianity, that Christianity in Europe has been used to oppress people. Uh, you know, the Crusades and also, you know, that what, what had happened in the name of Christianity is just embarrassing in the Western culture. But it's because of that when you don't have the context of the foundation of it, you are, we, we feel we are free to make our own foundations, our own definitions. And that's why the Old Testament is so vital that we understand, it's so vital we understand the Jewish culture, because if we don't do that, the Bible won't work for you. Well, like, I know that, like, when, when, when I do these things on, uh, on Facebook or on the internet, these words, I know 95% of the people who are watching it, they won't get anything out of it. What I mean by that is that, yes, they can hear, they can get an emotional thing out of it, but they cannot manifest what I'm saying. You know, like someone said to me that once, uh, they said that many times, they said to me, oh, I will steal your sermon. So, so, yeah, I said, go ahead, because you can't produce what I'm saying. Because it's not about passing my notes onto someone else. Just because you're saying what I'm saying, that doesn't mean that you can do what I'm doing. Do you understand? Just like I can copy what you are doing, but that doesn't copy what you're saying, but that doesn't mean that I can do what, what you can do. You can tell me about a recipe that you have done just because I can repeat as a parent what you're saying doesn't mean that I can cook it, okay? And uh, I don't know, have you ever tried to cook something from, from someone else that you liked, and when you try to cook it, it doesn't taste the same? Uh, I don't know if you know, just, uh, it doesn't matter what, maybe because you didn't see when they, when they cooked it, they put the thing up in their nose and <laughs> that was a secret ingredient, okay? No, I'm telling you, if you know what happens behind the doors in a restaurant, you will never eat takeaways. I'm telling you, it is, I don't eat takeaways anymore. Uh, I've not done that for a long time now. I hardly go out to a restaurant to eat because I know what happens. And... Uh, that is, and, and, and on top of that, you're wasting a lot of money for nothing, okay? Anyway, um, so it's so important we understand the Old Testament because of, we have to understand Jesus was a Jew. We have to understand Christianity, the, the Bible was written in, in what we call the Middle East. 
It was not written in Britain. It was not written in Denmark. It was not written in China. It was written in the Middle East. And therefore, we need to understand the context and the culture. You know, so because some people say, so why didn't Jesus say that in the New Testament? Because he didn't need to. I, you know, I don't need to tell you that it's raining a lot in England. You live here. You know. Okay? You know, there's a lot of things that is assumed that you know. Okay? And uh, so, so that's why I preach a lot from the Old Testament, because of, I want you to be familiar with the Old Testament and not seeing it as something that, uh, that is so not necessary to read. Because you have to understand, one of the things that the Bible talks about in New Testament, so-called New Testament, is that Abraham is our patriarch. And as far as I know, Abraham does not live in the New Testament. He lives in the Old. Amen? So, uh, so anyway, so if you have found the book of Judges, and don't worry about uh, the title Judges, okay? It's not that you're going to be condemned, okay? The, uh, judges refers to the, the government, uh, governmental system that was in Israel at the time, that, you know, that it was never God's plan for Israel to have a king. Okay, it was always meant that God was supposed to be their king, and God then reigned over His people through what He called what we we maybe call them prophets or judges, and and that's the way. But these judges, they were not like a, a independent thing. They were submitted unto God, and they acted on behalf of God when God spoke to them. Okay. So that's, why, so that's why it talks about the book of Judges. So it's, it refers to the, how Israel and the tribes of Israel was governed at the time. And, uh, <clears throat> and, I believe, and you know, what, what is interesting with the, gover- with the justice is that when Israel had a good judge, the, the country was blessed. When Israel had a bad judge, the blessing was withdrawn. Okay? And... Uh, and so it's like very much like what we are experiencing. We know we can have good leaders, we can have bad leaders, and so on and so forth. And in the midst of that, there, there is a guy called Gideon. And, uh, and I believe that one of the main things that we're struggling, and we, have, we, we are in the middle of a fight today, both in our society but also in the church, is a fight about identity. You know, but in Denmark now, you know, I couldn't believe it. And it's, you know, Denmark is a very liberal country, okay? But uh, I, I thought I thought I saw, seen, read everything, but obviously I haven't. Now you can be gender neutral from the age of zero, okay? So which means with the consent, you can actually change your gender from the age of zero. That's what we want to include in laws. And... Uh, and 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 but but the thing is, they already started higher ages in England. You, you know, I think even now on certain question questions you can get in, you can say, "Am I male, female, or whatever you are?" Okay, maybe they should also put a box in say confused. Okay, and uh, but but the thing is, really, the bottom line is, is a fight about identity. Okay. And uh, I believe that one of the reasons for why we as the body of Christ, why we as a church in the West, and I don't care what church you're belonging to, what church you're saying, but whatever you're saying, and if you are part of a church in the Western Hemisphere, there is no revival. Okay, there is no power that is worth talking about. You know, there might be a lot of noise, there might be a lot, lot, lot of loud music, there might be a lot of emotional things going on, but I'm talking about the power of God to deliver people from demons. I'm talking about the power of God to heal people, to restore people, to transform people, or to even to get people saved. Because the truth of the matter is that there is no church growth in our hemisphere. It is people who are moving from one church to another. Okay, you know that, uh, for example, you know when I say Western Hemisphere, I include Singapore in that, and feel like, you know, like in Singapore, uh, churches are not growing in Singapore. They are just moving from church to church. When many many years ago there was a church called, uh, it's still existing, called FCBC Faith Community Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. There was a pastor called Lawrence Kong. He's still there. When that, that was fashionable to uh, to attend the church uh, that time. When he did something that some people didn't like, when they moved to a church called City Harvest Church. When the pastor Lawrence Kongma did something that they didn't like, now they moved to Joseph Prince's church. 
and and it's always been that church movement in church, but it's, but but as a whole, the body of Christ has not grown. Individual churches have grown at certain stages, but the body has not grown. And for me, I don't really bother about a church growth. It's about the kingdom growth. Amen. It's about people getting saved. It's not about that. Oh, now you come to my church, or I go to this church, whatever. That's, that doesn't because we belong to the kingdom. And it's the kingdom we need to expand. It's not that church or that church, because what's the point? Because uh, the body has not risen, uh, uh, grown just because some have moved from one church to another church. That's not why we are here. What is what Jesus say? Your will be now. Your kingdom come. But, no, it didn't say your church be built. It said your kingdom come, and that's what we are. We are kingdom people. We are we are not church people. We are kingdom people. We, because there was no church, there was no bishop, there was no apostle or whatever title they're giving themselves that died for you. There was only one person who died for you, and his name is Jesus. Amen. And it's it's him we are working for. It's not about. But that, this, and we, that, this, that, and the other. And I'm telling you, one thing we are good at in the West, we are good at big words, but we are not very good at delivering words. When I hear preachers who come from England, when I hear them preach in Denmark or somewhere else, I'm telling you, uh, they, they, they make Bradford sound like the heavenly Jerusalem. And you know, you and I, we know, if this is the heavenly Jerusalem, when we are all in trouble. Okay, that's, you know, this is maybe, uh, Bradford is probably one of the worst places uh, in in UK. Okay, in terms of no, but in terms of education, you no, know, there are diseases in Bradford that are not, nowhere else in UK because of people marry first cousins and all sorts of things, and and uh, tuberculosis is also an issue and things like, and uh, because of uh, so so, but but the thing is. We have to be honest to see things as they are, not see things as how we wish they were. Because if we don't have a diagnosis, we cannot be the answer. Amen. You know, and the diagnosis is never the nice part of it, but it's the necessary part of it. I remember when I when I was a child, I used to I think I broken every limb on my body, and I remember every time I went to the hospital to A and E, I never understood why we call it accident and emergency because I never thought anything went quick there. <laughs> there was nothing emergency in there. You could sit there for four hours. Where is you know, have you noticed the English language is really funny? You know, they say, oh, what, are, we, are we driving now? No, we are not. Why? Because it's the rush hour. Everything is slow at the rush hour. I thought everything was supposed to be rushing. Or if you live in a flat. Okay? So these are apartments, but we're all living together. But it's an apartment. We are all living apart, but all together. Okay, I know this is just my, my English words thing. Okay, but we need we 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 are waste. We are we are, we are, we have been born. We have been made born. Like, we are born again. We are here with a purpose, and that is to expand the kingdom of God. And uh, and one of the people, one of the things that I see that happens today in our society is that God is moving away from the big churches. God is moving away from what they call mega churches and all these things. They have had their chance and they have wasted it in entertainment and gathering money to themselves. Okay? You also see it in the natural. Have you noticed in politics now, no one talks about labor, no one talks about conservatives. It's Bojo or it's Keir Starmer. You know, it's the person. You know, you see in France, they don't talk about his party, they talk about Macron. It's a person. You don't talk about the Republicans in America, you say Trump. Uh, you probably have the same, I don't know the names of the party in the, in the Philippines, but this uh, is a son of Marcos or whatever. Uh, but it's the name that is mentioned more than the party. And I believe it's the same thing that is happening in the body of Christ, that God is going to raise up people, individuals, who will bring his message of the kingdom out. And uh, so I was, watching, you know, I was reading up on something yesterday because of, I believe that we are in a season where, what can I say, is that, is that uh, 
we can go either one way or another in society. It can be really bad or it can be really good, okay? And, uh, but it's, it, it has nothing to do with the politicians. It has to do with what will the church do. Do you understand? You know, but if you study church history and, and, and when the, the secular history, that Adolf Hitler, he rose up in Germany because the German priesthood, they rejected what God had for Germany. When the Welsh revival happened in the early centuries, the, the German priesthood said, we do not want an English or Welsh revival, we want a German revival. And you know what? They got a German revival. You know, if you study the Nazis' rise to power in Germany, it is like an anti-revival. You know, Hitler is like a, really like an anti-Christ. You know, and uh, and and but it's again now it's a very important time for us as a church. But but for us to get into that place, we need. I think we we we're struggling with the same issue as we did with. Uh, as uh, as uh, Gideon did. Did you know that the, the name Gideon, that means God's destroyer, meaning someone who's powerful, okay? And uh, in in but and in Judges six, you found it now. And uh, let's let's start from Judges six and verse six. It says here, and Israel was greatly impoverished. Because, because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And, the Israel, and, and Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. You know, at least we did one good thing here. When you are in trouble, you cry out to God. Amen? You know, but don't seek natural solutions first. Seek God first. Okay, don't you know? Like we are not like the world. You know, I'm not. So when you have an issue, seek God first, and then seek the doctor. Seek God first, or then seek the bank. Seek God first, and then seek whatever natural help you need. But seek Him first. Don't seek the natural help first, and then expect God to bless you. Okay, this is how we did it in the world. No. We seeking him first, okay? It is, it is, it is very important we do it that way because of many of times we have a, a people they seeking their own will first and then they're trying to get God to bless them, okay? I'm telling you that it's, this is one of the most dangerous things is when you want God to bless your plans because that means basically you have done your own ways. You know, I, I know a guy... He wanted to get married, and you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, it's amazing how many people I've seen over the years who married the wrong person. Okay, and now they're stuck. They can't get out. Okay, why? Because when you say your vows, they count. But because they wanted something, and then they chose what they wanted, and then afterwards they expected God to. Blessed, no, that's not how it works. Seek His will first, and then you don't need Tim to ask you to bless it because if you do His will, it's already blessed. Okay, it's very important you understand that. So always go to God, no matter what happens in your life, seek Him first. Have a word to stand on. When I, when people say to me, oh. I believe God will do this for me. When I ask them, what word are you standing on? And they look at me completely blank in my eyes. And what are you talking about? I say, what are you believing? What, what, what are you standing on? What, what gives you the confidence that God will do it? Yeah but, I, yeah, but I just have a feeling. You know what? Your feeling counts for nothing. But just because you feel it's good for you doesn't mean it's good for you. The ice cream you ate yesterday is not good for you. After the 10th. Okay, but you felt at the time it was good for you. No, don't rely. You know, you need to have a word. When when I have something, when there's an issue in my body, I say I trust that I by his trust I have been healed. Peter, what, what do you stand on? I say I stand on First Peter two twenty four. His word says, when the devil questions my salvation, what words do you stand? What word are you standing on? John three sixteen. When 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 the devil tries to attack me with condemnation, what what word do I stand on? Romans eight one. 
It's not just something I pick out of the blue and say, oh, it would be nice if God does. No, my life is based on his word. Amen. It is Remember Jesus, with three temptations, where Jesus had in the desert, what did he stand on? He didn't stand on, oh, it would be nice to have some bread. He didn't say that. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. He stood on the word. Every time the devil challenged him, he had a word to protect himself. That's what Ephesians talks about, the shield of faith. Okay? Anyway, that's not what I'm going to talk about to you. So, so when we cried out, so when we cried out, verse 8, that the Lord sent a prophet. Now notice that when you are looking for answered prayer, when you have prayed and you're looking for an answer to your prayer, do you know how that answer comes? Through a person. Amen. Through, you know, any, like, let's say, you're single, you, are, you want to get a husband. God is not going to send him from heaven. Because if he's in heaven, he's already dead. Amen? Uh, or if he sent him from heaven, he will be dead when he comes down here. Because you have to throw him out. No. You know, anything, you know, when, when we pray, and it's so important we understand that, that God answers is he brings a person. You can see the same thing with Moses. When the Israelites were in turmoil, they were, in so, they were so tired of being in slavery, they cried out to God. And what happened? God raised up Moses. When you pray for something, what will happen is God will bring a person. And you know, that's where the challenge comes. Because many of times when that person arrives, he or she does not look like the person that you expected. Okay? You know that, uh, remember the, in Corinthians, it talks about that we are, we have been, we, the, the treasure that we've been entrusted is in the vessels of a clay. And what is so important is that we can look beyond the clay and see the treasure. Pastor Yong Gishu, he never believed women could preach in his younger days. Every time he got ill, what happened? God sent a woman. Okay? God said, and so now he had the choice. Did he look at the vessel or did he look at the treasure? And that, that challenge is for all of us. Because for us to be able to receive what God has for us, we need to have a bended heart. Amen. It is so important we understand that because many of people, they're missing what God has for them because they, they come in a vessel they didn't expect. The Pharisees missed Jesus. Okay? The Pharisees missed Jesus because from the natural point of view, it looked like that Jesus was what we would call a bastard, a, a, a child uh, birthed out of uh, a wedlock, you know, they, they, everyone knew that Joseph was, was not his dad. Okay, that's why the Pharisees say to Jesus one says, "We know who our dad is." Okay, because what they were referring to his, uh, what 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 was perceived that this was not Joseph's son. Okay, but they because that's what they perceived, they could not recognize this was the Messiah. And it's the same thing that now, that, that, what, what is going to happen now, that God will raise up men and women around the world, not denominations, that will bring light into this world that is really speeding into darkness. You know, like, uh, you can just see now, it's normal anywhere, look anywhere in the world now. It's normal, you know, we, we as the body of Christ, we, we just accept that we lost the rainbow. Okay, the rainbow is a Christian sign. Okay, the rainbow is, is Christian. But we just accept it now. Someone else have claimed it. In the, in the 90s, it was the New Age movement. Now, it's, now there's, there's, this organization with so many letters that I can't even remember them. Uh, I, even, I can't even remember them in, uh, in, in terms, okay? But the thing is that uh, we, we need to wake up. 
and we and so the next thing we need to recognize when God is doing something and don't look at the vessel okay um, so when, when say, so he sent a prophet unto the children of Israel which said unto them thus said the Lord God of Israel I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage now in the early days when I used to read this, I, I always thought, has God got an in, insecurity complex since he always have to remind the Israelites what he's done to them? Remember what I've done. Remember what I've done. Remember. But that's my Western culture. Do you understand? That, 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 that kicks in here. Because of when people keep reminding you of something that they have done for you, it sounds like more like uh, you should be grateful. But God, the reason for why God is reminding them of what he had done is because he's, he's saying to them, what I have done once, I will do again. Amen? What I have done once, I will do again. And it's so, so that's why that you need to remember what God has done. Don't just say, oh, praise God, and then you're forgetting about it. No, this is what the Israelites did at this stage. So when time went by, they've forgotten what God has done. And if they forget what God has done, now they don't have hope for God to do it again. It's really important we understand this part of the, when God says, remember, uh, you know, that, that, that God says, when he says, remember, he says, I will do it again. I will do it again. What he's done once, he'll do it again. You'll notice that when David, well, you can do that research that yourself, but when David kills Goliath, what what did he do? He took his sword. Why? Because that reminded him of his victory. And there was a one stage, the only thing that David had left was the sword that 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 he took from Goliath when he killed him. But why did he do that? Because it reminded him of what God has done. Okay? And the same thing, when if God has done something in your life, now, don't just leave it somewhere in your memory, because I'm telling you, your memory will not be powerful enough to, to protect you. You need to write it down. And when you're under pressure, you can pull it out and read it and hold it up in front of your eyes again and remind yourself of, when I was in that situation, God delivered me. When I was in that this situation, God healed me. When I was in that situation, God came through for me. And what God has done once, he will do again. Remember what he has done. Okay? Remember the day you got saved. Remember the day you got uh, delivered. Remember the day you got forgiven. Remember the day when you saw the restoration power of God. Don't just let these things float away in your memory. But write it down because these things become your shield when the, when the day of pressure comes. Okay? Israel have forgotten it. And that's why they were intimidated by the Midianites. That's why they were poor. The Midianites could intimidate them because they have forgotten what God they belong to. And I believe that many of us in the body of Christ, now I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to everyone who's going to listen to this also, that we have forgotten what kind of God we belong to. Okay? Because we are just seeing, oh, they're living there, they're living there. You know, I said to a pastor the other day, I said, I'm so tired of celebrating mediocrity. I'm so tired of that we are just living on average, but no one, we just accept it, but no one breaks through. That's not good enough. We should all have an expectation that is far higher than just surviving and living to a certain age, and when we die, and when we are singing Amazing Grace, and you go to heaven. Okay, if that is all we are expecting of life, we might as well die now. No, we are here to destroy the works of the devil, according to 1038. That's why we are here. Amen. To set the captives free, to declare the year of jubilee over those who are imprisoned. Amen. So, uh, I, don't worry, I will get to it. Okay. So, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drew, and draw them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not. 
Fear not, okay? And I believe a lot of Christians are living in fear. A lot of Christians are in abundance of fear. They don't say it, but they are. How can I say that? Because I can see the way they talk. I can see the way, you know, like, uh, most, I usually say most people quote Romans 8, 1, the most of those who are most condemned. Those people who say the most they are not in fear, they are the ones who are the most scared, okay? And, 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 I can, and it's not something, it's not just what they say. You can see it in the attitude, you can see it in the decision-making, that they don't dare to take uh, risks, they don't dare to take new steps, they're they, they embracing the, 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 what they're what comfortable with and call it fate and call it blessing, but really what it is, is fear. Okay? Because fear does not expand. Fear wants to protect. Fear wants to stand in the background. But faith wants to expand. Faith wants to grow. Now, one of the biggest lies that the devil has sold to the body of Christ and called it blessing is, oh, I'm just happy with what I have. I just want, I'm just pleased. I, I don't ask for much or whatever. No, you're supposed to ask for much. Why? Because the more you have, the more you can be able to give to others. Amen. You know, oh, but I don't, I don't want too much money. Why not? Yeah, but I don't know how to handle it. You can give it to me. Okay? You know, but one of the curses of our society is what we, the, the world celebrates as a big blessing. The welfare society. Okay? Uh, this is, this have destroyed any kind of aspiration of a young generation. No one goes out and says, I want to do this. No one has big dreams anymore. No one goes out and says, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to do this, friend of yours. Because it's not my responsibility anymore to succeed. It's the fault of, the, it's the responsibility of the government. When you have, you know, when, when we have the phrase, you probably heard it lately in the news about child poverty, Okay, and, and what is what we mean by that is the government's responsibility that my children are eating. No, it's not. It's your responsibility. If it's your child, it's your responsibility. Now they say, oh, my children can't eat when they're school holidays. Yeah, whose fault is that? It's not the schools. And it's like the welfare state said, it's not your responsibility anymore. No, but, you know, do you know it was the job of the church to, to, to look after the poor? It was not the job of the government. It was the job of the church to educate the population, not the responsibility of the government. That's why I, you get confused when the, you know, the English educational system is really confusing. You know, you know, public school, you heard the phrase public school. I always thought it was like state school. When I found out that's, that's the most posh private schools in England is if you go to a public school. Okay, but that refers back to in the olden days when educate, the educational system was only the church who did it. So when people who are not associated with the church, we start what we call public schools. But before that, it was the Catholics, the Methodists who did the educational system. That, and that's what we are supposed to have done. But we as a body, we have let it all go because we don't want to be blessed. I'm just happy with my little nothing, my little garden, my little life, and, I, and I'm just happy, uh, never mind that uh, everyone else around me goes to hell. No, you are called, that's why we are called. We are called to reach out to those around us, not for them to think we are nice people, that's not the purpose of it. Your character, my character is not going to get anyone into heaven, but we are called to bring them into heaven. Amen. It is so important we, 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 we realize why we are here. We believe the reason for why we are here is that we can have our little house, each one of us, we can have our little life, each one of us, and just live this comfortable little life. I'm telling you, you and I, we would both be depressed before we reach the age of 60, okay? Because there is no purpose in that. We might as well die now then, if that is the purpose. No, when we become believers, we have a much higher calling in life, and that is to represent the living God and bring the good news to a dying world that without, and I know we're not allowed to say that anymore, but that are, without us telling them about Jesus, we are going to hell. 
I'm telling you, we, we, we need to realize this is our responsibility. It's not just about, oh, but we drink tea together, we drink coffee together, we have a cake together, oh, oh they think I'm nice, oh, this is wonderful. No, this is not why we are here. If that was the purpose, we might as well do that when we go to heaven. No, we are here with a message to bring people in to the world, into the kingdom of God. We are here to bring a message that there is hope. There is more than this meaningless life that we call life today. There is hope. There is a future for each one of us that God has a plan for each and every one of us. We are called to bring that message out. Okay? When John Wesley started out, you know that the average age of uh, of living in UK was if you t if you manage to reach the age of 30, you're considered very old. Okay, uh, John Wesley had 15 siblings, where nine or ten of them died because it was quite common that people just died. And and in the midst of that, God raised up a person to bring hope. Do you know what? Now he brought, he had one person at that time, but now he's got each one of us to have carry the same message, okay? And let, and let, and, let, and and I'm telling you, when you start embracing that calling, when you start embracing that purpose, now you'll start seeing your Christian life suddenly has a meaning. Not just that when you close your eyes for the last time and when you are, when you when you are in heaven, you know that's fine. But you know, inside of you, you are you you are born to to something far greater. When you receive the Holy Spirit in your heart, at the same time, there's a longing for greatness in your heart. Okay, because this is the Spirit of God you have received. And so, so he said, "Fear not, the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but you have not." When he says, "But you have not." obeyed my voice and in here i have said what i well i, I put a note here as a really they have not trusted god do you know that when you you know i prefer the word trust when and to the word obey okay obey sounds like that is uh, uh, someone who is punishing you no it's that when you trust you are obeying Obedience is not a negative word. This is a word. Obedience is what socialism have done to that word. It have made it a negative word. Okay, it's the same, the same kind of word as control. Okay, the socialism has also made that word to be a negative word. But I'm telling you, if you don't control, you bring, you bring chaos. Do you understand that? Uh, and but he says here, but you have not obeyed by what you, why, why have you ended up in this situation that you are in now? It's not because of the Midianites, it's not because they are powerful. You know, why have you ended up in this situation? Why have people ended up with whatever? It's not because of their circumstances. It's because, God says, you have not obeyed my voice. Basically, you have not trusted my word. Because if you trusted my word, you'll just do what I said and you'll be fine. You know, it's not your manager at your job that is the reason for why you're unhappy. Do you understand that? If you've done that, you're giving your manager far more credit than he deserves. It's because you have let him or her. It's not the person who said something nasty to you that is the cause of why you're unhappy. You're giving him far more, well, you're giving far too, uh, too much credit. Okay? It's because of you have responded wrong. Okay? You, you can, you and I, we cannot change what other people are doing, but we can change how we respond. We can let other people define who we are by what we're saying, or we can choose to let God define who we are. Amen? It, it, it's so important. You know, it's where he was not a tall person, he was a small man uh, physically, but he said to people, I'm ten times greater on the inside than I am on the outside. He didn't let other people define who he was, and neither should you and I. Now, that does not mean that, you know, I don't like this thing, I don't, you know, these people always say, I don't care what other people think about it. Yeah, they're the one who cares the most, okay? Uh, I, I, I don't care, I don't need fellowship. Yeah, they're the one who are the most lonely. We're, we're, you know, we're fishing for it, okay? But, but the thing is, we, 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 we must be defined by what the Word of God says, not by what circumstances, our history, whatever 
tells us what we are. What the Bible says. This, the way you obeying God is that when your emotion says that you feel so condemned, you are obeying God by saying, but I'm not condemned. That's how you obey God. Okay? But, but for you to be able to do that, you need to have a lifestyle where you put him first in all things. Not just in what is convenient for where you are, and just as you know, you can say some Christians where they they treat Jesus like as a buffet thing of a Bible, like so they take what they need and leave the rest out. No, you need the whole thing, okay, for it to work. So, so verse eleven, and there came an angel, the Lord, and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah and pertained unto Joas and Abishite, and his son Gideon, first wheat by the winepress. Now notice, God is never going to come to the lazy. You will find that throughout the whole of the Bible, when God appears to someone, it's not the one who sits at home lying on his bed and says, I'm waiting for God. It's the, you know, it's the one who will find them, they are always working. They're doing something. They're not lazy people. What was the first thing that God did to Adam? He gave him a job. Poor guy. He became a gardener. That was really a bit... I'm glad I was not Adam. That would have been horrible. Can you imagine that? Doing gardening for the whole life. That was a big nightmare. No wonder he ate of the food. He just wanted to get out. Okay, no, I no, that's my... Okay, but... So, but he, it was while he was working. I, I was a Bible teacher when I was young, and he called Bob Mumford, and he you know, that was before cars had power steering. Okay, uh, I don't know if you ever driven a car without power steering. Okay, uh, telling you, you really need to. If if you try to turn the car, the wheel, if it was just moving, it was it was heavy heavy work, but. But once you got the car to move, it was far easier to turn the wheel. And it's the same thing with you and I, that when we are doing something, it's far easier for God to direct us. Do you understand? So, someone said to me once, that if God speaks to you, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, fall. Do something, okay? And, and even if you go in the wrong direction, you can still be redirected because you're moving. That's why I always say to people, don't be so scared of making mistakes. Okay? The greatest mistake is by doing nothing. Now, I met so many pious people who say, I'm waiting for Jesus. I'm waiting. You know what? I know somebody waited for 40 years. Okay? And I said, when I'm going to do something for Jesus, it's going to be completely perfect. I, said, I, I, I look at them and say, well, that means you're never going to do anything because you're not, you're not bright enough to do it perfect. And he, you know, God, you know, start moving. This is where God meets you. Gideon, he was, wo- he was uh, working. That's where he, God met him. Can you remember when Elijah, Elijah called Elisha? What was Elisha doing? Plowing. And you can find them one by one. Moses, what was he doing? Looking after his father-in-law's sheep. You can, you, can t- you can take them all. This is where God finds you when you are working. Not when you're lying down at home in bed and say, I'm waiting for Jesus. Okay? Nothing is going to happen then. Okay? So, and then, and then verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, what is the first thing that God does? This is an answer. Remember, the context is this is an, the context is Israel is suppressed by the Midianites. This is the context. What is the first thing God does to them when there is a direct interaction? He confronts the identity of Gideon. He he addresses the identity of Gideon. He says to him. What, what does he say to him? The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, mighty man. The first thing God is addressing is his identity, his self-image, how he sees himself. Okay? And when we carry on reading, that is obviously not how Gideon sees himself. 
And I believe that this is the same thing that God is trying to do in our generation, in our time, in our season now. He's trying to readdress your real identity. You are not that thing that you think that you are. Whatever thing that you think that you are. Don't tell me, okay? You are not that thing, thing okay? You are a mighty man of valor. Amen? You are not that failure. You are not that thing or whatever thing you can come up with in your life that defines you or what you can say to yourself or why you don't take a new step in faith or whatever. You are none of these things. These are things that other people have said about you to you that you started to believe. That can be your history, your circumstances, whatever. But you have chosen to believe the wrong thing instead of believing what God is saying about you. You, maybe you trust your mirror more than the Word of God. Oh, I'm so old. I'm so visible. The Bible says it's like a mirror. Amen? So, that's why I can boldly say I'm 25. Amen? Amen? <laughs> When you can say without laughing, when God might bless you, okay. But you have to understand, we, we are so used to define ourselves by what the world is saying to us, what our circumstances are saying to us, what our own life experience has said to us, what our culture has said to us, and so on and so forth. But we need to learn, this is what the angel says to Gideon, he addresses you are a mighty man of valor. Amen. You are not a victim, you are a victor. You are not dead, you are alive. Amen. It, it's so important we, and we, we, we get this back here. But this is, what, this is the first thing Gideon is confronted with, is his identity. And we need to understand our real identity in Christ. Why we are here. We need to understand the purpose of why we are here. Okay? We're not here. Our goal is not to be blessed. Our goal is to be a blessing. Do you, do you understand? It is, it is, it's, what's the, po the other thing? It is, there, is no, there is no progress in it. So he, he addresses the identity of Gideon. But I noticed what Gideon said, and Gideon said unto him, Oh my Lord, can you just can you just say, Oh okay, oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why? You know, victims always say, Oh the two main words of victims, what are they? Oh and why? Okay, oh why? Okay, this is what Gideon is saying. Oh why? If God is victory, if God is victory, oh why? Okay? And Gideon said unto oh my Lord, if the Lord will be with us, why when is always befallen us? Because they don't, they believe in what the enemy says. There was an old uh, praise and worship song in the 90s, where it went something like, whose report do you believe? Whose report do you believe? Do you believe the word of God? Or do you believe your body? Do you believe whatever? Whose report do you believe? Amen. God said, you have not obeyed me, meaning you trusted your circumstances more than you trusted what I'm saying about you. You trusted your friend's opinion about you more than my opinion about you. That's what he means about that you are not being obedient. Okay? And when he says, where be all these miracles which our fathers told us of saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt and so on, so on, so on, so on, so on. You know, he mentioned all the things that God had done before but not for him, okay? But why did he not do that? Because, what is he saying here at the end? 15, and he said unto, Oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, notice, my family is not just poor. We are the poorest. Okay? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I, and, and, and I am the least in my father's house. I'm, 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 he said, I'm a nobody. Okay? See how much, and you know what? He's lying. And you know the worst part of it is, he doesn't even know he's lying. He's lying, but he doesn't even know that he's lying. He believes what he's saying. 
Okay? Many of us, we, we, we are lying and we believe that we are lying because we say, Oh, I can't do anything. I'm a nobody. Oh, who am I? When we just say, oh, yeah, you're really pious now. Now you're really holy. Just keep on, keep on going. That's right. Oh, yeah, I'm a really nobody. Every day will really clap his small little fingers and say, oh, yeah, yeah, carry on. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm useless. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, now you're really holy. You are lying because that's not what God says about you. Amen? That's not what God is saying. That is not what God is saying about. He says, you are a mighty man of valor. Amen. You're, you're not the tail, you are the head. So stop lying to ourselves. And you know what? So say, and the Lord said unto him, surely I will be with you, and you shall smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, if now I found grace in your sight, then show me a sign. Now, Gideon asked for all these signs and these things, but... But let us jump to uh, verse 25, when he comes through all these things with the rituals, but just... Uh, so in 25, when Gideon finally, finally starts doing the first step to bring the, uh, revival to his generation. And that is what, what is, what, what is he doing? He's not going to smash the world's altars. Have you noticed that? He has to smash his own family's altars. Amen. You know, that we as the body of Christ is something that is so important. We do not spend our time telling the sinners how wrong they are. Because what do we expect? Oh, now we're sinners, we've done this. Oh yeah, that's because, that's why we are sinners. No. What we need to do, we need to smash the altars in our own lives. Amen. What we call, you know, have you know, we can all be have carry religious things in our life, and so so he had to smash his fathers also. And it came to pass now so the same night, verse twenty-five, the same night that the Lord said unto him, "Take your father's young bullock, even the second bullock." Now, if you read in Leviticus about the sacrificial laws, a bullock, this is a bull, okay? Do you know those who sacrifice one bull? They are wealthy. Now, he's not just talking about one bull here. He's talking about two. Now, I have to be careful with these fingers here. Because of, you know, if you turn it the wrong way, it's swearing. Okay? That's why we don't do videos. Okay? And uh, it's actually funny why this is swearing. Okay? And this is victory. Okay? Because this thing, I, I read it up, this thing comes from the Hundred Years' War. When the, when the British was... Uh, I've war with the friends, and uh, the, the, the strongest weapon that the, the British had was, the, have you heard about the longbowman? No, the longbow. Okay? So what the friends did was, every time they caught a, a British longbowman in France, they cut these two fingers off, because then he couldn't use the bow anymore. So what did the British do? Every time they stood in front of a French castle, they show the two fingers. <coughs> I don't know why that becomes swearing now. Okay, but this is what it is. Just like the, the world uses the word name of Jesus as a swear word. Anyway, but notice, so, 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 so I wrote here, read this in, read 20, verse 25 in the, and, and remember verse 15. Gideon was not poor. He was not from a poor family. But because he believed, he had told himself so many times that he's poor and he's useless, now he believed he was useless. How many times have we told lies to ourselves about ourselves so we now believe it? We've done that so many times. Oh, we are, have you noticed we are so good at telling ourselves what we are not good at? We are so good at pulling ourselves down. We are so good at making ourselves small. And when we're thinking, oh, now I'm really religious. No, like I was in the church once, and then there was a woman, she was singing, and she had a beautiful voice, and I said, oh, and then after she had been singing the solo, she was singing, and I said, oh, wow, this, is a, this was, a, I said, oh, that was really a good, that was amazing. I mean, do you know what she said to me? She said, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. When I said to her, no, no, it wasn't that good. <laughs> she said, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. I said, no, 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 it was you, because if it was Jesus, it would have been far better. But do you know why she, she, she found it difficult to receive some, someone saying something nice to her? 
Why? Because his self-image was very, very low. Have you noticed that people who can't take him, uh, receive a compliment is very often because their self-image is very low. Okay? Because, and as you know, and the devil had told us, this is being holy. She said, no, no, it wasn't me, it's Jesus. No. I said, I said to her, she learned, hopefully she learned the lesson when I said to her, no, it wasn't that good. It was good, but not that good. Okay? So he, so it was two bulls we have to sacrifice. Now let's jump to 27, because I speak too long here. Okay, 27. When Gideon took ten men of his servants, of his servants, not his father's servants. Now here is a guy who remember what he said in verse 15. I'm the lowest. We are the lowest. I'm, the, I'm not just the lowest. I'm the lowest in the lowest, lowest. And now, when he has to finally get out, get around to what he's doing, he first he has to the bulls, okay? One bull is not it. No, you know, Joseph and Mary, they, they, when they sacrificed, made the sin offering for Jesus, that was a turtle dove, okay? They were not in the bull level yet, okay? Gideon, he was in the he was in the Super Bowl level, okay? And now, when we had to pull down the, the, the idols, the, the guy doesn't even do it himself. He got his servants to do it. Now, this is the guy who thinks he's the poorest of the poorest. Okay? But, but he, because he told himself that lie so many times, despite of the reality, he believed it. You know, if you ever meet people who, are, who struggles with their weight thing, and uh, anorexic people, and you know, in their head, they can think they are so obese. Okay? When they see themselves in the mirror, they see this obese person, and everyone else can just see this skinny person. We have this phrase in Danish, that person is so skinny, if they turn their sight to them, they disappear. Okay? And, but because they have an image in their head, they are so fat. They believe that image in their head more than anything else. And this is what Gideon did about himself, but this is also what we have done as a church. We have always, no, we have fought with we, who am I? Who am I? Who am I to do this? Or who am I to do that? Or how can God use me? But I'm telling you this morning, you are a mighty man of valor. Amen? And it's now we need to respond to it. We now need to act accordingly. Because this, there is a world here who needs to see that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. There's a world out here who is crying out for, for, for hope, for purpose, and a plan. And you know what? Only you can give it to them. Great music cannot give it to them. Okay? You, can, you can get happy by play, listening to Abba, but that's all you can be. You can't get saved. Do you understand? You and I are the only ones who have what the world needs. That's the eternal life in Jesus Christ. You and I are the only one who can bring people through restoration, through forgiveness, through, through release from condemnation, regrets. You and I are the only one who can do that. Amen. But so, so don't let the devil tell you but you are nobody. You know, when I became a believer, I, I couldn't I couldn't preach, I couldn't do anything. But I, I so what I did was at that time we had we used to have these postcards here where there was a, a scripture on. So I bought a, I think 30 postcards and I just wrote to all my friends and it wasn't really for my friends, it was really for the postman. Because I knew that when they came and emptied the post box, mailbox there, and there was 30 cards like that, the postman, because you know, postcards, everyone can read what is on it. And the postman, he's just as curious as anyone else. And so I did that for the postman. You know, two weeks, two, three weeks later, there was a person I, I worked with and uh, at a petrol station while I, was a, while I was a student. And she came to me and said, oh, if I lived in that area, I said, yes, yeah, because there was this uh, friend of hers, her father, he's a postman, he emptied that mailbox and he read all my cards. And it turned out he, came, he grew up as a believer but have left the faith in Jesus and gone into a world. And, uh, you know, a week, a week later he was in church for the first time for over two decades. Okay? 
for something that was so stupid or a little like what I did. But you know what? Whatever little it is, if you have faith in Jesus, he can take that little thing and turn it into something. Amen. All he needs is for you and I to start acting out what we have. You and I, we, no, <clears throat> we, we, you and I, we can all send a text message to someone. We can all write an email to someone. We can all do something with, and you will be amazed to see what Jesus can do with what you consider as this is a little thing. Okay, you will be amazed to see what what happens, and 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 you and and you you can you can you can just share my sermon. You'll be amazed. You'll see how anointed I am, and you share that, you know. No, seriously, no, I'm just, you, you know, you come with me somewhere else, and, you know, you, the word that you think is just normal, it's not normal. It's not normal what you're hearing. So just bring it out, okay? There's a whole world waiting for you. Yesterday, I spoke to a person, I don't want to say too much at the moment, but there's a whole new continent opening up, okay? And it's just amazing what God is doing. Uh, and, and, and don't don't just say, okay, now this is just another Sunday, and now just carry on with next week, and then coming now. Don't miss the season that we are at. There's something very, very special is, is happening at the moment. You can just see a little thing of it. If you I don't know if you follow this, uh, there to believe thing, the, the numbers are just clocking up like... Uh, I think it's 730 or something like that. I, you know, this is it's over nearly double since over a month. It's I don't know why it's double suddenly, but it's just doubles. And I got all these weird messages, but for that, but that's just something I have to live with. But anyway, but you know, don't miss the season. We have our Gideon moment now. We have a so you are so so we see this thing and say, I am a mighty man of valor. And instead, you can just, I am a mighty man. <laughs> yeah, okay, we have to catch the moment. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.